ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. This podcast is recorded on the lands of the Awabakal, Darug and Eora people. In March 2022, a senior software engineer at a gaming company in Singapore got an email. It was a job offer, which was great because the engineer was looking for a new job. Things weren't going all that well at their current company. Mere months ago, their game, Axie Infinity, was on top of the world. It's what's known as a play-to-earn game. It's like a cartoon universe, cute little creatures in it. They're called Axies. You buy an Axie with cryptocurrency and battle it against other people's Axies to earn more cryptocurrency. Some promoted the game as a flexible way to make money at home during the COVID pandemic. The game had been storing almost $10 billion in crypto. But then the value of that crypto crashed. It was a pyramid scheme and the pyramid was toppling. As the value of the company fell, its employees started getting extremely tempting job offers. Our senior engineer in Singapore went through the job application process before finally being sent a PDF with the sweet, sweet salary details in it. How could you not click that PDF? The job offer was fake. But now, the North Korean hackers who'd sent it had access to the Axie Infinity private keys, the passwords to their crypto account. Hackers stole around $600 million in cryptocurrency linked to Axie Infinity. It was one of history's biggest heists. Not just of cryptocurrency, but of anything. North Korea had struck gold. As international sanctions have cut into North Korea's ability to import and export things, they've been getting desperate for cash. They've been running crazy schemes to get it. Smuggling, stealing, lying, cheating, swashbuckling and all sorts of other negative verbs. But that's nothing compared to what they make from stealing cryptocurrency. In fact, most of their foreign currency now comes from stolen crypto. On this week's episode, can anything be done to stop the world's first nuclear-armed crypto bro, Kim Jong-un? I'm Matt Bevan, and this is If You're Listening. North Korea has the most unusual economy in the world. It's known as a hermit kingdom. The hermit kingdom. The hermit kingdom. Because it's almost totally isolated from the rest of the world. And this is fine because North Korea is basically self-sufficient. It makes just enough of most things it needs to get by. But none of it's plentiful, and life there is tremendously hard. There has been growing concerns in recent months about the food situation in North Korea. They have the basics, but there's certain things they do not have any of, like oil. And they can't make anything high-tech, like, say, things they need for their nuclear weapons program. Missiles, rocket engines, guidance systems, nuclear warheads, computer consoles with a big red button, big clocks that ominously count down to zero, that kind of thing. And so they have to buy all that stuff illegally. They can't buy it with North Korean banknotes. Nobody outside North Korea is interested in North Korean banknotes. So they need foreign currency. 
In 2017, getting foreign currency became harder than it's ever been before. And we can't have madmen out there shooting rockets all over the place. After North Korea launched multiple intercontinental ballistic missiles. Respected Supreme Leader Comrade Kim Jong-un gave the handwritten order to launch the intercontinental ballistic missile. The US president was not impressed with Kim Jong-un, who he started calling... Little Rocket Man. Trump threatened multiple times to... Totally destroy North Korea. By the end of 2017, the United Nations had placed incredibly strict sanctions on North Korea, blocking almost all trade in and out of the country. All its exports of coal, its number one export, had been banned. Without exports, they had no foreign cash. So they reached into the criminal plots and schemes mystery box. In September 2021, a ship ran aground on the coast of China. It was called the Rionhua 3. And when it was discovered, the cargo hold was empty but for a thick layer of coal dust. The crew had abandoned ship. Looking at where the ship had come from using its satellite tracking data really raised more questions than answers. For years, it had been travelling out of North Korean ports full of North Korean coal, then disappearing off the map as it turned off its satellite navigation beacon. Then, a little while later, it pops back up on the map, empty of coal, even though it didn't make port anywhere to unload. It's not alone. Heaps of North Korean coal ships are doing this. Meanwhile, other ships designed to carry oil leave North Korea empty, disappear, then reappear full of oil. Careful investigation by the UN sanctions guys found that they're not trading with Atlantis. They're sidling up to another ship and using cranes and pipes to transfer coal and oil in a ship-to-ship -ship transfer. According to the United Nations, this trade is illegal. The resolution imposes major new restrictions on the sources of hard currency, in particular coal exports, that the DPRK is using to pay for its nuclear weapons. Speculation is they're sidestepping sanctions and trading coal and oil with Russia and China. The Rionhua 3 was old and unsafe, and within months of it running aground, it was dismantled for scrap. The crazy thing is, even scrapping it is illegal if the salvagers paid the owner of the boat anything for the metal. This is just one of the ways that North Korea is making money. Another is smuggling. North Korea has a history of selling illegal goods through their embassies. Was your government involved in drug smuggling into Australia? No. Not at all? Not at all. Heroin, meth, gold bars and guns have been transported to North Korea's embassies on trucks, ships and through diplomatic mail. It's been reported that the embassies use these things to fill a quota. They all have to raise a certain amount of foreign currency each year to send home to Pyongyang. North Korean citizens are also sent overseas to get jobs in high-paying industries like the tech sector. Then they send their paychecks home to their family. And by family, I mean... Respected Supreme Leader Comrade Kim Jong-un. Maintaining all these schemes is very hard work for Kim. And they're not very lucrative. 100 grand here, 100 grand there, it's chump change for a guy trying to build a formidable nuclear arsenal. 
Thankfully, a project North Korea has been working on for years has started paying serious dividends. The first time the world heard about this project was in 2014, in the lead-up to a movie premiere. In 2014, Sony Pictures was in the final stages of production on a new action comedy starring Seth Rogen and James Franco. Hello, who this? This is the Secretary of Communication for North Korea. The plot involved a TV host and his producer going to North Korea to kill Kim Jong-un. You want us to kill the leader of North Korea? Yes. Now, the North Korean government isn't known for its sense of humour and demanded the film be censored. But the American government isn't known for its love of censorship. We cannot have a society in which some dictator someplace can start imposing censorship here in the United States. Sony made a number of changes to the movie and went ahead with plans to release it. But little did they know, North Korean hackers had gained access to their private network. Some reports indicate that they'd been stealing confidential information from the company for up to a year. A month before the film's planned release, the hackers activated a virus which destroyed thousands of Sony's computers and started publicly releasing the information they'd stolen. They caused a lot of damage and we will respond. The hackers said they would continue releasing data until the film was cancelled. There were also threats of terror attacks on movie theatres. The hack cost Sony millions of dollars, but didn't actually benefit North Korea. There was no financial gain. It was just a spectacular act of vandalism. But it proved they could pull off a big hack. Three years later, they thought they'd try to actually profit from their hacking skills. The world's top technology experts are still at a bit of a loss to explain what's going on in a gigantic global cyber attack underway right now. In 2017, North Korea's hackers launched the biggest cyber attack in history. Europol has said that it is unprecedented in terms of the scale. North Korea developed a virus that wormed its way through a security floor in Microsoft Windows. Basically, people around the world sat down at their desks, turned their computers on, and saw a giant red screen demanding $300 in the cryptocurrency Bitcoin if people wanted their files unlocked. The global ransomware attack has already claimed more than 200,000 victims in 150 countries. The list of victims was extremely broad. The attack has hit Britain's hospital network, Germany's rail system and scores of companies and government agencies. The virus became known as WannaCry. People will often say, do not pay the ransom. Some people make a business decision that they really want those files back. The attack wasn't as effective as it could have been, though. I was a little surprised it wasn't as sophisticated as I expected. British cybersecurity researcher Marcus Hutchins found that the hackers had inserted a kill switch into the code in case they wanted to stop the virus from spreading any further. So he just kind of flicked that switch. The malicious software immediately stopped spreading. The computer researcher joked that he can now add accidentally stopped an international cyber attack to his resume. While hundreds of thousands of computers were infected, less than 500 ransom payments were made. The North Korean hackers received about 51 Bitcoin, which, thanks to the outrageous volatility of Bitcoin, could have been worth anywhere between 100,000 and 3.5 million US dollars, depending on when they sold it. But either way, that's not a huge amount of money. 
people who made big money from the attack were IT companies that were paid hundreds of millions of dollars to fix or replace the systems that WannaCry had broken. If the Sony Pictures hack was like vandalising a wall, this was like vandalising a wall and then finding five bucks on your way home. Demanding cryptocurrency from individual businesses with ransomware is an inefficient use of time. It's like robbing individual shops one at a time. Why stick up all those shops when you could rob a bank? And so North Korea turned its attention to robbing crypto exchanges and taking millions of dollars at a time. For a lot of people, cryptocurrency is pretty appealing. The idea of a financial system untethered to banks and governments sounds exciting. No cops, no middlemen, sounds great. They aren't managed by third parties like banks, meaning users and businesses pay less in fees. The volatility of crypto means some people make serious money. You hear a lot of success stories with crypto. A lot of people make, you know, 2,000% on their money in a couple months. Big profits, no banks. Well, there's kind of a bank. Most people trade their crypto using cryptocurrency exchanges, which basically do the same things that a bank does. Plus, the exchanges are unregulated. You're outside the grip of the man. Instead, you're in the grip of some dude who set up a totally unregulated bank. Cool. Hi, I'm Sam Lee, founder and CEO of Blockchain Global. Sorry, I should say, they're not all dudes. Michaela Jurek runs a cryptocurrency exchange called Bitcoin Babe. But there is a downside, because occasionally these banks set up by dudes and babes just disappear. In November last year, crypto exchange abruptly ceased trading. Sometimes it even happens to the most famous crypto billionaire on earth. Crypto wonderkin Sam Bankman-Fried's fortune has gone from an estimated $40 billion to close to zero after his so-called safe crypto coin exchange, FTX, collapsed. And when this happens, there's no bailout. There's nothing you can do. The money's just gone. Unlike parking your money at a bank, there is no government guarantee for deposits in cryptocurrency exchanges. Also, robbing a real bank is real hard. You need a ragtag crew, a training montage, guns, masks, and then you have to deal with the inevitable double crosses and car chases. Robbing a crypto exchange, it appears, is not all that hard. You can do it with just an email job offer. North Korea's hackers have been robbing crypto exchange after crypto exchange. 2022 was an astonishing year for Crypto Kim, the artist formerly known as... Little Rocket Man. In 2022, North Korea's hacking gang was responsible for half of all cryptocurrency theft. Their haul was 1.65 billion US dollars. That's more than three times the amount made globally from ransomware last year. It's nearly twice as much as North Korea made from all other exports. Yes, to be clear... Last year, stealing cryptocurrency was North Korea's primary form of foreign currency income. Kim Jong-un celebrated this windfall by doing as many missile launch tests in a single year as he had done in the previous decade. After a few relatively quiet years, the North's making a noise. They tested 121 rockets in 15 months. The launch comes after a flurry of weapons testing this year, 
And look, why not celebrate? He's managed to find a way that a few geeks on computers can earn billions more than the sale of coal, guns and drugs can. Now there's speculation that he's selling some of his weapons to Russia to assist Vladimir Putin's war in Ukraine. Another exciting revenue stream. At the moment, there's no real plan to stop him. Crypto exchanges are still unregulated, insecure pots of money that he can raid to pay for his nuclear weapons. And while ever there's dudes and babes willing to trade crypto, North Korea will be keen for a bit of the action. If You're Listening is written by me, Matt Bevan. Supervising producer is Yasmin Parry. Don't forget you can watch the video version of all our episodes on YouTube, including our four-part series on the Israel-Gaza conflict. That is available now. Thanks for listening. See you next week.